Mark, Mark chapter number three. And last, last time we talked about really the vision of new life, what we want our church to be. We talked about how it needs to be a church that is refreshing. It needs to, we, want it, we don't want it to be a place that's dry and dead, a place that uh, we don't want it to be a place like uh, that's, that's, just, that's not helpful in our lives. Uh, we talked about how it needs to be a place of healing, uh, how we want people to come uh, to our church, and we hope that in Christ and in the gospel, their lives will be transformed. We're, we want to see uh, marriages brought back together. We want to see uh, relationships restored, and we want to see, uh, see people who are far from God and deep in sin their lives transformed. Those aren't people to be ridiculed and mocked. They're people to be loved and people who we pray will find healing in Christ Jesus. We, we want New Life to be a place that's attractive. Uh, we want it to be a place uh, where people say, hey, this is something. Uh, this is a place where obviously they love Jesus and they love me. Uh, so we want it to be a, an attractive place and then we want it to be a transformational place. We want it to be a place we desire and we believe that it's, if it's biblical, it will change and it will transform all of our lives. So that's what we talked about, the vision of new life. Now today we're gonna talk about the people of new life, which uh, we have, we ha we're all here. So uh, it's gonna be great. We're gonna have a great time uh, talking about who we need to be as people. So we talked about what the church needs to be corporately. Now we're going to talk about what we need to be as individuals because we're not going to be the church corporately and collectively that we need to be if we are not all individually what we what God has called us to be. So Mark chapter number three, and we're going to look and go ahead and start in verse number 14. The Bible says, and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that might, he might send them forth to preach. And to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. Let's go ahead and pray and we're going to study uh, this, the rest of this chapter uh, in our time together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the power of the gospel. Uh, thank you that we can run to you. We can pour out our hearts before you and you can change us and you can transform us. And Lord, I pray that as we consider what we need to be individually uh, as, as a church family and how we need to look at our role here, as, as a church family. Lord, I pray that this would, that you would lodge this deep in our hearts, and I pray that we would, uh, that we would be the people that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 2004, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, they were the team to beat in the NBA. Everyone said, hey, we don't need, uh, why even have a season? Let's just FedEx uh, the trophy to the Los Angeles Lakers. They had won the championship three out of the past four years, and in 2004, they added two Hall of Famers to their roster. They added Carl Malone to their starting five, the second leading scorer in NBA history, and they added Gary Payton, a future Hall of Famer. So the team that had won three out of the past four championships now added two Hall of Famers, and everyone said, this is a super team, and they can't be beat. Much to everybody's surprise, they were defeated in 2004 by the Detroit Pistons, a team that was uh, inferior to the Lakers in pretty much every way. All of their players uh, were short compared to their position. Uh, they, were, they were inferior in talent. Uh, they, had, they didn't have the same talent as the Lakers, uh, yet the Pistons beat them. And the reason why they beat them is because they were a team. Uh, they bought into having a team mindset and a team philosophy. And the fact is, is that the fact that they were a team, that they bonded together as a team and they played together, beat better individual talent. And that just speaks to the, the fact that 
Uh, I think that God has assembled a team here that has some talent. I'm thankful for the talents that God has given us as a team, but ultimately it's not a talent, it's not talents that is gonna go, that's going to bring a healthy church to our city and to our neighborhood. It's going to be a group of people who are focused on Jesus and a group of people who love like Jesus. Here in Mark chapter number three, Jesus is calling his disciples. Jesus is assembling his team to reach the world and to turn the world upside down for the sake of the gospel. He's going to call 12 men and uh, we know that he's going to call these 12 and these 12 are going to go out and they're going to pass on their faith and they're going to pass it on so effectively that we still have it today. Uh, and when he calls this team, what's interesting to me is that this team is not a team that you would think, hey, like this is a team of winners. I mean, I would think that if you're going to pick like just an all-star team, if you're going to change the world, you'd need somebody like you need some great, great speakers, some people who just maybe have some experience with that, maybe a politician or something like that. Uh, you need somebody who you need some like maybe some accountants, some administrative people who could who could lead that way. You need a lot of people, a lot of people, persons, a lot of people, people. Uh, so whatever. <laughs> so you need some people, people. Yet when Jesus picks his team, he picks backwards fishermen. Uh, he picks people who, like Matthew, who were despised, uh, as viewed as a traitor and viewed as a liar. He, he picked people like Simon the Zealot, who just uh, was an act first, think later kind of a person. Uh, and when he assembled his team, I don't think anyone would say, hey, these people individually were great uh, individually, yet when Jesus got a hold of their lives, he transformed the world. And the fact is, is that it doesn't matter what talents we have individually. It matters, are we being the people that God has called us to be? So let's go ahead and study together uh, this chapter and see the people that we are called to be according to Jesus. And the first thing that I noticed that we are called to be is we're called to be disciples. In verse number 14, it says, And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. And he proceeds, uh, he proceeds to call his twelve disciples disciples. And, I, and he called them to be disciples, but the fact of the matter is, is that he calls us to be disciples today. Uh, we are called to be committed followers of the Lord Jesus. We are called to be people who follow Jesus in such a way that we're not just learning facts about him, but we're learning from him so that we become more like him. That's who we're called to be. We're called to be his disciples. And I notice in this passage, I love this, that as disciples, here's what we're supposed to be. Disciples, uh, I notice here, disciples walk with Jesus. Disciples walk with Jesus. Here in verse number 14, and I love this, and I think that this is something that we all need to really cling to. It says, he ordained 12 that they should be with him. That they should be with him. You know, I love that. That speaks to my heart because uh, a lot of times I get into the habit of thinking and uh, the way that I always think is, you know, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to be uh, a real follower of Jesus, then you need to start doing a bunch of things. You have, you have the checklist of the things that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, you know, make sure that you give your offerings and uh, give us your money, which we could, we could use a little bit of that. Uh, you got to make sure that you're, you know, you're going out and that you're doing your door knocking and you got to make sure that you're, you know, fulfilling all of this checklist. And if you do, 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 then you are a good Christian. But here's what Jesus called them to be. He called them first to be. He called them to be with him. 
So as we get ready to launch, if we're going to be the team that God has called us to be, then the most important thing that we need to ask is, are we personally walking with Jesus? Because the fact is, if, if we're not personally walking with Jesus Christ, if we're not personally learning from him, if we don't have that personal fellowship with him, then we're all going to burn out very quickly. Uh, we're, not going to, we're not going to be the church that God has called us to be if we're not walking with Jesus. It says that he ordained that they should be with him and he ordained them that he might send them forth to preach. So we see, first of all, that they walk with Jesus, but I also notice the disciples preach Jesus. Disciples preach Jesus. The fact is, is we can get, uh, we can almost overcorrect. We can let the pendulum swing too far the other way and say, you know what? I'm just walking with Jesus. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do any work. But the fact is, is that when he called his disciples, he called them to tell other people about him. And the fact is, is that if we are overwhelmed by the love of Jesus, we cannot help but share uh, the love of Jesus. If we love Jesus, loving Jesus and loving like Jesus, they go hand in hand. They go together. If we are loving Jesus, then we will love other people like Jesus. They, he called them that they should preach. Uh, and that's what we're here to do. We are here for the purpose, for the mission, for the sole mission of helping people find the Lord Jesus Christ. And so disciples preach Jesus. And then third, I noticed that disciples have power. Disciples have power. Uh, the Bible says in Acts 1.8, it says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And he, he it says here in verse number fifteen, in verse number fifteen, it says that they would have power to heal sicknesses and diseases. And what he was doing is he was giving them power. What's interesting about that word power is that he's giving them authority power. The Greek word here is power for authority. He delegated his authority, his power to them. And he said, hey, I'm giving you this authority to do these amazing things. And let me just encourage you with this, is that as we walk in the spirit, we have the power of God going with us. All right. I know that uh, if you're like me, I get overwhelmed thinking like we're only six weeks, six weeks away from launching. Uh, and, and I know that a lot of times we can get into, well, how am I going to share the gospel with somebody, with a neighbor? How am I going to share the gospel with a friend? How am I going to develop a discipling relationship? I, uh, I've never done that before. I, I don't know how to do that. And the fact is, is that God has given you his power to do that. It's not up to you to be good enough to do that. It is up to you to yield yourself to him. Uh, so we disciples have power. That's what he gave to them. He delegated his authority. And then I also notice that disciples are diverse. Disciples are diverse. In verse number 16, it says, he calls Simon, he served named Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, uh, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. So he calls his 12, and I just love the diversity that's, that's on this list. Uh, he calls fishermen. Not exactly people-oriented. They'd rather, you know, they, they were people who worked, uh, they worked the night shift. Uh, they were not people who just, they weren't just out developing relationships all the time, yet Jesus called them. He called people like Matthew. Uh, Matthew was, had the most hated profession in all of Israel at the time. He called people like Simon. He called people like Thomas. Uh, he called people, and they all were different. They all did different things. 
And in Ephesians 2, Paul writes uh, to the church at Ephesus, and here's his message to them. He says, hey, God has made Jews and Gentiles. He's made you one in Christ. He's broken down the middle wall of partition, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. What he's saying is, hey, listen, we're all different, but we're united around the gospel. And uh, here at church, and here at New Life, and I know that we all understand this and this is our heart, but we're not going for an old church, uh, definitely, and we're not going for just having a young church. We're not going for a white church and we're not going for a black church. We're going for a church that looks like uh, Jesus' church, which is made up of all tribes, all tongues, all nations. Disciples are diverse and that's who Jesus called. Jesus called a diverse group of people. So I noticed that we're called to be disciples. And second this morning, uh, I noticed that we're called to be united. We're, we are united in the gospel. So here as we continue, let's go ahead and look at verse number 20. It says, And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils casteth he out devils. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. So we see here that uh, Jesus, as soon as he starts his ministry, all of his disciples are together and then they face problems. It says that those who were with him, so some people who were with Jesus, people who were following Jesus, we don't get from the text really that it's the 12, uh, but people who are with Jesus begin to attack Jesus uh, for who he is and what he's saying. And then we also see that he is attacked by the Pharisees, people who are on the outside. And I noticed that through it all, Jesus is preaching unity. He says, they, the Pharisees begin to attack him and say, hey, uh, he's, uh, he's of a devil. He's, work, he's working uh, in cohort with Satan. And Jesus says, hey, how can, how can I do that? Because a, a kingdom that's divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln, uh, one of his most famous speeches, one of his most famous, I don't know if, that made, if I said that right. Uh, so, but uh, one of his famous speeches is a house that's divided against itself cannot stand. He's quoting Jesus here. And it's just the importance of unity. And I notice here in this passage that they were united uh, through misunderstandings. They were united through misunderstandings. Uh, people were attacking. People who previously followed Jesus attacked Jesus. People who were on the outside attacked Jesus. They weren't understanding uh, what he was doing. They didn't understand what he was about. And they attacked him. But Jesus is saying, hey, we need to be, there is a principle of unity here in this text. And I would just say through this is that there will be times we as a church where we have misunderstandings. There will be times uh, where we have, where we may rub each other the wrong way. That, that I would say that that is a guaranteed for sure. I can't say too many things that are for sure, but for sure uh, there will be times where we may rub each other the wrong way or where we may offend each other. But here what we see is that while there are attacks, Things can only be successful when they're united together. Uh, there's an old uh, Peanuts comic 
where Lucy goes to Linus and she walks into the room and she tells him to change the channel. Uh, she says, hey, change the channel to the channel that I want. And Linus says, uh, what makes you think that you have the right, that you have the authority to come in here and change whatever channel she want, whatever channel you want? And Lucy said, these five fingers. Uh, individually, they're not much. But when they're united together, they're a terrible weapon to behold. Uh, and then Linus said, man, why can't we get that organized? Uh, but the fact is, is that when we are united, then, then, we, then God can use our church to do amazing things. And whenever I think about this unity, they were united in their purpose. There's a unity in purpose. The fact is, is that if we as a group try to focus on unity for the sake of unity, uh, then we're just going to turn into this big mess. You don't tune a hundred pianos by trying to tune them to each other. You tune a hundred pianos by tuning them to the same tuning fork. And the fact is, is we're not just trying to unify around uh, this personality. We're trying to unite around the gospel. And if we're focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're focused on uh, sharing Jesus with others, if we're focused on his word and being transformed to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will be united together, but it's around the sake of the gospel. So they were united in their purpose. And that's what we need to be, at a church, be as a church. And then finally, as we, as we close, as we finish this morning, uh, I noticed that, there is, that we are, first of all, we're disciples Second of all, we are united. And then finally, we are family. We are family. Uh, and it makes me want to say all my sisters with me or however it goes. We're family. Uh, but this is, so, this is really important here. In verse number 31, it says, There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him. And they said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. And here we see in this passage that uh, Jesus' family uh, is trying to subvert what Jesus is doing, uh, which is something that I think all of us have some experience with. Uh, here, Jesus' family shows up and they want to stop him from preaching the gospel. They're trying to distract him from what God has called them to do. That's what, it, that's what they're trying to do here. And whenever they come to Jesus and they're trying to call him out, Jesus says, who is my mother uh, or my brethren? I find that interesting. And what Jesus isn't doing is Jesus isn't attacking his family. Uh, Jesus isn't, uh, he's not going after them. He's not, he's not saying, uh, they're not my family. He's not disassociating himself. That's not what he's doing here. Here's what he's emphasizing. He's emphasizing, hey, my church, those who are with me, those who are united with me in our purpose, those who are following me, we are a family. We are, we are a family. Uh, the Bible says, John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Uh, and then it also says, Tim, if you could go ahead and go to the next verse, it says in Romans 8, 15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And then if we could go to the next one, it says, finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion, one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. 
throughout scripture, what we see is that there is, we have a family relationship with God. And because of that, we have a family relationship with each other. And the fact is, is we're not just here to just work together. We're not here just uh, to just gather on Sundays. We do life together on Mondays. Uh, that's, that's who we are. That's what I believe God is calling us to be, not to just be uh, a group. I think that it's damaging to churches whenever there's like this disconnect where we just come together, where we just come sit in our seat, where there's not a relationship with each other. No, we, we are a family. That's what God has called us to be. We're, we're a, we are a body. We are, uh, we are united. Whenever Christians in the New Testament, when they became Christians, when they became a part of a church, they were often despised by the world. They were rejected by the world and all they had was each other. And what we need to, what we need to remember is that God has called us to be a spiritual family. So, so let's love each other. Let's work together. Let's serve each other because that's what God has called us to be. One of my, one of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. I love the, the story of the 1971 team that uh, during the integration period, whenever uh, the, all a black school and a white school, they were joined together. Then they started a football team and all of, all of the racial tension that starts off in the, beginning of, in the beginning of the movie. And there's all that tension. There's all that fighting. They're, they're enemies. Yet, whenever they decide and realize that, hey, we're here for a bigger purpose. In this case, they decided, hey, we're going to be a team. We're gonna focus on a goal. They eventually became a family. And for us as a church, the people of new life, when we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're walking with him, when we're growing in our relationship with him, when we're united around the purpose of loving Jesus and loving like Jesus, we will be the family that God has called us to be a family that loves each other, that serves each other. And ultimately we will, like the disciples in Mark 3, pass on our faith to future generations in a way that really impacts our city for the Lord Jesus Christ. We just have to be the people that God's called us to be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. And thank you for this time in your word. Father, I pray that you'd help us as individual church members. As a church family, I pray that you'd help us to be disciples, to be focused on you and growing in our relationship with you and that being the priority of our lives. I ask that you would help us to be united through misunderstandings, through attacks, through anything without and within that would seek to divide us. May we be united as we focus on the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would bind our hearts together, that we would be the family, a loving family that you have called us to be, we pray. May we do it all out of response and in submission to our Savior, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Let's go ahead and take a moment as the piano plays to just uh, reflect, to submit to what God has taught us today, uh, and to respond however God tells you to respond in your heart.